course, Mike Trout, always coming up. This episode of Baseball Tangents was recorded on the 9th of September, 2017. Good day, Jeffrey. Good day, Kyle. How's it going today? Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about most things that are not called work. Tell me more. You know, um some days are just just kind of stressful and uh you put a lot of work in and you don't get a good result, which actually leads me to um our first uh bit of of chit-chat, bit of banter um today, which is Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so today is the what is today? 9 September? Yeah. 9 September 2017. And before last night, Pablo Sandoval was over 38, the longest streak in Giants history, including the very long history of the Giants. I mean, we're going back pre-war, pre-integration. Over 38 or over 39? He was over 38 before last night. I see. In his first at bat last night, he did not get on base. I don't know what the result is. I don't care. And then in his second at bat, he hit a home run, which is one of those things where you're like, you're really not good, but then you do a good thing. Yeah. Does it make up for it? No, no. They should not sign him next year. They should send him to Dominican and let him play baseball there for the rest of his life. I mean, he's rich. Like, he's going to, he could make what? $18 $18 million or something a year for the next two years doing nothing. Right. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, Panda's terrible. He is the starting third baseman for the Giants. The Giants sent Nunez to the Boston Red Sox, and he has been quite good out there. Um, also playing a bit of second base um, with Pedroy being hurt. Rafael Devers has been incredible. Got to see him play a bunch. I say a bunch a couple times in Pawtucket. Um, that's that thread. Anyway, uh, moving on to other things. I was watching the Rockies game a couple days ago because the Rockies are in the wild card. Um, they're the, currently the second wild card seed for the National League. And it occurred to me that I have conflated two baseball players. Um, Justin Morneau, mm-hmm. who has been a first baseman for the Twins for the most of his career. And Morneau has been playing since 2003, um, playing quite a lot. Um, well, he started, his first full season was 2005, actually, uh, as first base as DH. He was actually the AL MVP in 2006, which... Just for fun, he beat out Jeter, Ortiz, Frank Thomas as an old man playing for Oakland. Um, Jermaine Dye and fellow Minnesotan Joe Maurer and Johan Santana. Minnesota must have been good uh, that year. Anyway, Justin Morneau, um, he's an average-ish baseball player. 27 war over a 13-year career, not all of that being... um, I guess technically 14-year career, not all of that being a particularly good career. Um, Justin Morneau, get him confused with a, another player who does play for Colorado, a catcher called Dustin Garneau. Very um, close. 
Yeah. Justin Morneau, Dustin Garneau. Don't beat yourself up for it. I mean, I'm not really upset. I'm just kind of fascinated that I would do this. Uh, for what it's worth, um, Dustin Garneau has played for three years, not that long. His um, 162 game average, which is just a fun way of making some way of comparison, comparing things. His career batting line is 191, 257, 328. Justin Morneau's career batting line, um, using the same 162 game average, 281, 348, 481. Clearly, we're talking about two different caliber player. They also play different positions. Um, so career hits um, is a fun, fun other metric just to look at. Career hits for Justin Morneau, 1603 for Dustin Garneau. 45. So, um, I get these guys confused. It doesn't matter because they are different people and that is just fine. So speaking of streaks mm-hmm. earlier, I'm just ranting now. This is, this episode is Kyle Lewis ranting. That's good. Uh, speaking of streaks, um, I went looking for other long hitless streaks and there are some really bad ones. Um, and Craig council hypothetically has one. Uh, I think I closed that tab, but um, there's some fun, fun streaks out there. And we will include in the show notes, a Wikipedia article of some fun baseball streaks. Um, I know baseball reference also has some fun minutia like this, but um, looking at streaks, um, Billy Hamilton, not the Billy Hamilton, the other Billy Hamilton, the one who played in the 1800s for the Philadelphia Phillies. He once had a 24-game streak of scoring one or more runs. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty impressive. The, uh, I don't believe that baseball reference goes back that far, um, although I should look that up while. Billingham, oh, they do have it. All right, that was 1894, and in that year, he had, he played 132 games. And so he had a 24-game run streak. But he only had 90 RBIs that season. And let's see, how many runs did he score? Oh, but he scored 198. So some quick math here, 198 divided by 132. He averaged 1.5 runs per game anyway. That streak is just insane. That's a, that's a ridiculously productive. That's out of control. His OBP that year... Jeff, I mean, this is not really baseball, right? It's 1800, sure. 1894. But his OBP that year was 521. Better than a coin flip was a chance that he would get on base. Yeah, you don't see that anymore. Or ever. No. No. He, uh, he had 225 hits that season, too. So he averaged 1.7 hits per game. That's insane. That's truly insane anyway uh that billy hamilton um walked uh a lot but uh and he also stole a lot of bases he was quick um he was good that season he had 100 stolen bases led the league what is it what's an average season for people these days uh well let's just look at the best hypothetically the best base dealer over the last few years um since Billy Hamilton has been a full-time major league, major, major leaguer, mm-hmm. major leaguer, major, mm-hmm. major luger, <laughs> major mm-hmm. laser, 
That's definitely who he is, Major Lazer. Since Major Lazer has been a full-time major leaguer, uh, Billy Hamilton has had 56, 57, 58, and 58 stolen bases. He is currently leading the league um, with 58 this year right now. So 100 stolen bases. So 100 is just crazy. Yes, but he also had one, two, three, four, five years of 97 or more stolen bases in his career. This is the old Billy Hamilton. But that said, uh, I have no idea what the average number of stolen bases were that year, but he did, in those five years, he did lead the league. But those are astronomical totals. Yeah, was um, that is that unique to that to that era? Uh, it's hard to say. It's not really baseball. It's just kind of fun because there are statistics for it, but it's... What do you mean it's not really baseball? It's not really baseball. Uh, his nickname was Sliding Billy. Well, um, pre-1901, the batters could ask for the pitch they wanted. Um, most teams only had one pitcher. Uh, the pitchers would pitch the entire game. It's not really baseball. Okay, let's go back to this. Uh, the pitchers can ask for the pitch they want. Excuse me, the batters. The batters can ask for the pitch they want. Yeah. I don't know what year that rule change came into effect, but um, there was a time when uh, also pitching was underhand. So softball. Um, yeah, but with a baseball-sized ball. Okay. And the other thing about softball, I believe, is that you play on a smaller field. Um, instead of 90 feet, it's usually like 60 or 70 Was it always 90 feet, feet for, ML, for baseball? Uh, probably also changed around the same, um, around the same time. They were still getting things sorted out in the 1800s. But they're playing a game that loosely resembles baseball. Neither here nor there, because uh, I actually wanted to talk about Billy Hamilton for a moment, because he just can't seem to finish seasons. Interesting. Keeps getting keeps getting hurt in September. Um, in 2014, he did play 152 games. So that year, he did quite well. He played 93, 94% of the games that year. But then uh, 2015, he played 70% of the games. 2016, he played 73% of the games. And he's on the DL with a broken finger now. Probably not going to play the rest of the season. And he's played 81% of the games. So we are seeing an uptick. We're getting better, 114, 119, 132. But if you're a guy who really needs to prove his value by getting on base, you have to play in every game, so you have the most chances to get on base, to steal bases, to right. show your value. Because realistically, Billy Hamilton, um, he's just not, um, he's just not able to show enough offensive value right now uh for fun though his career uh war is 7.9 over four and change years um he only played 13 games in 2013 so 7.9 war career is not bad but this year has been a down year for him um both offensively and defensively uh offensively he's been pretty much replacement level but defensively still with one win um which, given how much they're paying him, two point six million, it's fine, but not really great. Um, anyway, Billy Hamilton can't stay healthy, which reminds me of another Reds 
player uh, of the past who was well loved. Billy Hamilton is well loved by the by the fans. Eric Davis, uh, fantastic second baseman when he was playing, but he averaged something like 114 games a year, and that's because he always got hurt. Because he just couldn't stay healthy, and he he probably was a Hall of Fame caliber player if he played more. The problem is he just couldn't, and so he's not. Uh, more on Eric Davis at another time because that requires a little more research. But I have a couple more streaks I want to talk about. Sure. Consecutive batters face without a strikeout. Just if you had to guess, what would be the the record? There? Uh, what does that mean? Consecutive batters faced. So, like, yet from the the pitcher's standpoint, how many batters can you go through without getting a strikeout? Correct. So you start the game, and then how many batters go by before you get your first strikeout or a reliever also? Like, how many games could you come into, pitch an inning a game, um, and not get a strikeout? I'm just pulling numbers out of thin air here, but let's say there's like seven strikeouts a game on average. Um, so That's reasonable. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but that's, that's reasonable. Uh, so like nine nine batters nine batters is your is your guess well you, your guess is very close um the record is actually 10 batters and it's two um two players are tied for this we're talking about a record or a, an average record the record for uh, a record of the most mm-hmm. consecutive batters face without a strikeout that seems like a low record but see you were saying if we average seven strikeouts per game right there's only um 27 outs in a game right right nine by three so if you if you're averaging seven per game then you're gonna get one every four batters right right so if you're at if the average is every four two and a half times the average right 10 is the actually is the record which i think is is incredibly fascinating to think you go three and a third not getting a strikeout is it simultaneously is believable and unbelievable i think which i think is what you experienced just a moment ago which was the unbelievable yeah, side and how long has it been that way like forever there's just always been strikeouts um kind of uh the well the record t- is tied between tom Seaver when pitching for the mets in april of 1970 and eric gagne Gag Gagne Gag Gagne Gagne. Oh man, uh, pitching for the Dodgers, and that was May 17th through May 21st because he was a reliever. But it's still hard to think about because, like, like you said, if it's even if it's your average, say five strikeouts a game, yeah, right, that'd be every fifth or sixth batter. So to get to ten is actually kind of wild. But you would think that you could. You're just a terrible pitcher. Not necessarily if you're a ground ball pitcher, right? Yeah, I guess. Ten doesn't seem to be that high. I just can't believe it's so it's so low. It's pretty wild. Um speaking of other pitching records, consecutive perfect innings pitched. So this is over multiple games. Mm. Fourteen. Uh the answer is actually fifteen by Usmero. Usmato. There's no T in it, so I don't believe it's Usmato the tomato. But Dave, no. 
one of the Giants announcers, I don't know which one, he used to say use Mado Petit. And there's no T, so there's no... <laughs> it's probably John Miller. There's no way. Uh, use Mero Petit. Probably John Miller. Okay. Uh, use Mero Petit, July 22nd through August 28th of 2014 as a starter and a relief pitcher over eight games. And He's probably just rolling the, his R um, or flipping his R and it sounded like a T over the radio. Something like that. But this was crazy. He pitched 15.1, 15 and a third innings of perfect ball. Um, through He had a short start that was perfect, but it was only like three, game, uh, three innings or something. And then he had several, um, he had six relief appearances that were all perfect. And then the eighth game was the one that he took a perfecto through eight and two thirds if you recall. And Pence bailed him out at least twice before he gave up a a hit, as I recall, to the Triples Alley. That's crazy. It is crazy. Also crazy that he um is has been a minor leaguer for the majority of this year, but goes to show good right. pitchers don't always stay as good pitchers. So coming back to streaks, and we're going to talk about the Giants here briefly, but the Indians have won 16 in a row as of as of today and that's that's a lot and i i managed to find somebody else who'd done the research um of the longest streaks of 16 or more and the one that stands out would be the 2002 athletics the moneyball athletics who had 20 wins um uh, 20 wins in a row, and that, that was highlighted also in the great film, the film Moneyball, which was delightful. But other than that, other than that, the only other modern team, we'll call it integration era team, uh, would be the 1977 Royals, who also had a 16 game streak. So, those are the longest ever winning streaks, yeah. The longest ever winning streak would be. 1935 Cubs won 21 in a row. Damn, that's crazy. I mean, if you think that, like, generally it's assumed that the odds of winning a game is actually more or less a coin flip, then to win 21 in a row is is pretty, like, that's a that's a huge outlier statistically. Is it actually a coin flip? I mean, there's... It it seems so. Like if there are so few win streaks like that, then baseball is just not a sport where there are dominant teams. There are a few dominant teams, but because it's such a long season, it the things tend to regress to the mean. So, and like the the most wins by a team since playing 162 games, uh, it's like the '04 Mariners. I think it's over four Mariners, uh, 116 wins, right? So that's a 637 winning percentage. So that's not even two out of three. Now it's, it is significantly better than a coin flip, but it's still not two out of three, two out of three by the by is 121 wins. Um, which the way I think about baseball is like, if my team can take two or three in a weekend series, I'm always happy because Two of, if you average two or three for, throughout the season, you'll be the best team in the history of baseball. Um, which is a funny thing to think about because two out of three doesn't seem that hard, but it actually is. And this leads me to a little bit of spreadsheet work I did earlier looking at 
Um, so the Dodgers have been terrible lately. Arizona has been on a a tear and also on a pretty long winning streak. I think there's a 12 or 13. Are the Dodgers like purposefully terrible though? Like what's going on there? I don't think my gut feeling is they're not trying um, as hard right now, but they also don't need to care. They, they already have uh, a lock for right. the, to make the playoffs and they are pretty much guaranteed also to be the high seed in the playoffs. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're projected to win. If they continue winning at this rate, they're projected to win 105, maybe 106 games. Washington is projected to win 99 or a hundred. And the Cubs are projected to win, uh, 88, which is not that good. Really. Um, that's six games over 500. Um, yeah, not that, not that great. The Dodgers, one of the best teams we've seen in recent history, currently at a 652 winning percentage, projected for 105 wins. Just for fun, comparing them um, to the rest of their division, they are uh, 24% better than the average of the division. So if we take the division as a whole, they're 24% better. Arizona is 11% better. Colorado is 3% better. But San Diego is 14% worse. And uh, San Francisco is um, 25% worse. So what are the biggest spreads, like, you know, every season or in the history? Well, um, if I do a little bit of math here, I I don't have a historical because I had to build out all these uh, all these spreadsheets. But um, the delta between... The percent delta between Dodgers and San Francisco is 49%. If I were to do the, we're going to do the Cubs minus the Reds, um, that is a 23% delta. So the difference between the Cubs and the Reds is not so great. Um, and the winning percentage difference is actually only... Um, is only thirteen percent, but the uh, we're comparing their how they compare against the rest of the league, or rest of the rest of the division rather. And if I look at, let's see here, we look at Washington minus the Phillies, who are terrible. So they actually have a forty-eight percent difference between the Washington and the Phillies. So the the Phillies are significantly worse than Washington, whereas the Reds are not that much worse than the Cubs. If it, you're looking at the worst to first in division. And so like the, the Giants are really terrible this year in comparison to the Dodgers. Um, they're also really comparison, really bad compared to almost everybody else in the league. Um, what I was trying to get at here is basically that the Dodgers are very good. Washington is quite good, uh, especially compared to the rest of their division. The Cubs are not good compared to the rest of the division, nor are they that good compared to um, the rest of the NL. They're only 9% better than the rest of the NL. So it, it, what's kind of fascinating here is that while they are the, um, while they are the third seed, um, they are, or I'm sorry. Yeah. While they are the, no, I take it back. They, 
are not the third seed. They are going to win the division, but they are actually the fourth best team in the um in the NL because we have the Dodgers who are 31% better than the rest of the league, then Washington which is 24% better, then Arizona is 17% better, the Cubs are 9 and the uh, Colorado Rockies are 8% better. So, in a world where you just take the top four teams or even you just take the top three teams um that go to the playoffs hypothetically um i guess four because you need the you need the um maybe if you give somebody a buy who knows you say the top three teams the best three teams in the nl are dodgers washington arizona so the cubs wouldn't make the playoffs if we were to think about this just in the best teams but the division structure does give us some interesting dynamics about rivalries and things like that. I think we have, at some point in the past, we've talked about how we might reform baseball or how we would change it hypothetically to make it more interesting, um, specifically make the playoffs also more interesting. Not more interesting as in more TV time, just more interesting in terms of uh, who battles who, I think. Yeah, like maybe more competitive. Um, right. Before we get into the last uh, or the next couple topics here, I was just thinking, um, funny story. Uh, do you know who the single season hit leader is? I don't. All right. So I'm filling out the Washington Post crossword puzzle the other day, which is, I believe they just get the puzzle from the LA Times. And I'm filling out the puzzle and the clue is single season hit leader. And it's six letters. So I think to myself, who might that be? And my gut tells me six letters, that's Lou Gehrig, right? That, that could be right. Uh, Lou Gehrig's not even the top 10 for single season hit leaders. The, the answer was Ichiro, uh, 224 hits. What's wild is uh, Pete Rose is also not in the top 10, although he is the hit king. Interesting. So more years of above average performance, but not necessarily a year of most astounding performance but ichiro where does ichiro f- fall in the like compared to lou gehrig and pete rose ichiro is kind of incredible uh career hits in in the u.s not including um in japan where he played for uh what from 21 to 27 uh he has 3073 hits he is 43 years old, Jeff Hayward. He ha- is hitting 261, 318, um, slugging 339. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. There's no black ink the last few years. The last time he had any black ink, um, 2012, where he played every day for um, Seattle and New York between the two. Um, but he does have a good amount of black ink in his in his baseball reference page, uh, in these years, he led the AL in hits. 2001, 2004, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. And I was incorrect. I said earlier that he had the single season hit record with 224. It is actually 262. 262 hits in 161 games. That is 1.6 hits per game and we were talking earlier about billy hamilton the older 
having 1.7 hits per game. This is in 2004 when baseball, the average speed of a pitch was probably 15 or 25 miles an hour faster than 1894. Um, yeah, that would be a lot of fun to look at some averages there. The OBP uh, for one Ichiro Suzuki in 2004 was 414. We were talking about Billy Hamilton earlier and his, um, yeah, five, that year it was 521. Uh, for fun, old Billy Hamilton also in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he was inducted by the Veterans Committee in 1961. Yeah, that's uh, that's some fun things. Anyway, uh, Ichiro, single season hit leader. Should have known it. Um, fantastic addition to American baseball. Very glad that the Japanese gave him up or allowed him to come over or however it worked. It was a different time. It's crazy that it was like seven years or however long it was where he wasn't here and still kicking ass. Like, can you imagine if he was here for those years? Oh, he would probably have the, he would probably have the all-time hit lead and it would be a lot of fun to have Suzuki have that instead of Pete Rose. And I think he has it if you, um, if you include the Japanese stuff, but it's hard to include the Japanese ball because it's roughly AAA. It's just like um, the all-time home run lead is a Japanese guy, O, Sadahara O, Satara, no, Sadorahu O. I believe that is who he is. Um, career home runs, 868. Which would make him definitely. Because uh, what did, what did uh, Barry Bonds have? Seven fifty three. All time home run record. Come on, Jeffrey. Seven fifty six. Seven fifty six with a big old asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Seven sixty two is his record. Uh. Hank Aaron. Um. Had seven fifty five. The only other player to hit seven hundred more is Babe Ruth, but Hank Aaron is the only guy in the in the current. Um, Hank Aaron played in modern baseball. Hank Henry Aaron. Come on, internet. Go, go, gadget, internet. You know what? It doesn't matter. Anyway, Sadaharu O. Lots of home runs. No idea how I got there. Okay. So I have two more things to talk about, both of which that could be long. Do it. So the two best teams in baseball right now are the Dodgers and the Astros. They hypothetically could meet in the world series and it would be be fascinating uh, it's probably the safest bet to see what would happen and they both made a big trade for a big pitcher this um in the last month and a half so darvish went to the dodgers from the rangers and justin verlander went from detroit to the astros my question is not thinking about money, not thinking about what they gave up, not thinking about anything other than those two players. Which one of these do you think is a better trade? And if you were, say, the GM of one team, would you have wanted the other guy or would you have wanted the guy you got? It's Verlander and who? You uh, Darvish. You Darvish went from the Rangers to the Dodgers. Um, I would go with Darvish. Because I'm not a big Verlander fan. Any any reason or just gut feeling? I don't really have anything to back it up. Tell me more. He's a tiger, I guess. 
was it was a tiger that's my that's my reason was it was a tiger was there we go <laughs> it's like i just don't like play people who play for the steelers just it's fine uh darvish uh for the season has a 4.25 era in 28 games verlander has a 3.74 era in 29 games they have both pitched uh actually verlander's got um Let's see here. A little bit of math. 11 innings more pitched this season, which makes loosely makes sense. I'm, I, uh, I think the Verlander trade is hypothetically more exciting. Hugh Darvish has been good, but not been good recently. Go on. Like this year, he just hasn't been good. Last year, he was good, but only um, pitched in 17 games. Uh, he only pitched 100 innings. Uh, in 2016 and he missed all 2015 with um tommy john surgery verlander has been up and down but the last black ink actually he had black ink last year 2015 was an interest well even 2014 was an interesting year but he um well he has black ink in the negative side he had 104 earned runs and an era of 4.54 um what is black ink Leading the leading the league in gotcha a in a thing yeah in a thing so for instance um, Verlander in 2009 led the AL with 240 innings pitched 2011 251 2012 238 so um, and he also those three those same three years he led the AL in strikeouts. And for two of those years, he also led in batter's face, which is fascinating as a metric of um, innings pitched, but also in um, he's seeing more batters, so it's that possibly people are getting more hits, but he's also pitching more innings. But that he kept his ERA down is that people are getting hits hypothetically, but not actually scoring. But uh, earned runs, I mean, kind of wild if you think. 67 earned runs in 251 innings, which gives you an ERA of 2.4. Kind of wild. Verlander is my pick in that, uh, but it doesn't really matter. But uh, where this leads me is playoff predictions. So we've got two weeks till, two weeks, three weeks till the playoffs. and. Um, a little bit more than that, actually. Whatever it is, playoffs are coming. So uh, I'd like to hear your player predictions, and I might uh, might tell you mine. Putting me on the spot, huh? Yeah, man. Or, or would you rather would you rather hear my playoff predictions and then you can critique mine? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So the I'm going to start with the AL and then go to the NL. So. Right now, the AL teams that are set to make the playoffs, uh, the best team is the Astros by a good margin. Um, then after the Astros, uh, I believe that we're looking at Cleveland and then Boston. Uh, and then the wild card, and I'm making sure here because the wild card keeps moving around. Uh, the wild card right now is the Yankees against Minnesota, although... Angels are two games out. Texas is two and a half games out. Baltimore is three games out. And Seattle is four games out, which is not beyond the pale. 
That said, Seattle is currently 70 and 71 as of September 9th. They have a losing record and they could hypothetically make the playoffs. That's no good. As I'm looking at it, Houston's Houston is they're, they're the number one seed. That's that's easy. So they're going to play whoever plays whoever um, wins the wild card game. I think that's going to be the Yankees. It's going to be at Yankee Stadium. Um, I don't really think any of these other teams, Minnesota, LA, Texas, Baltimore, Seattle, can take on the Yankees. The Yankees are good, and they can win a one game playoff against a team that's worse than them. Houston and New York Yankees. I think Houston wins. Um, I think Houston wins in four games or, or maybe even in three games. They could sweep. Um, Boston, Cleveland. Cleveland is really hot right now. We talked about this earlier. 16-game uh, winning streak. But I think that if David Price can come back or um, if the Red Sox offense can really kick into the extra gear, which I believe that they do have, I think that that could be a very competitive series, probably go to five games, and um, my my bet would be that Boston could actually take that. I think that um, Cleveland's hotness right now may come back to bite them, but streaks and things, that's all regular season and doesn't really matter and doesn't really count for anything in in the playoffs. So in this world, I'm picking um, Boston over Cleveland. Then I'm going to pick Houston over Boston um, with the addition of Verlander and getting the colors back. Keichel looks great right now. I think that they are going to be able to outpitch Boston. Um, so I'm picking Houston to go to the World Series. Now on the NL side, we went over this a little bit earlier, but uh, Dodgers, Washington, um, the Cubbies and then Arizona and Colorado are playing in the wild card. Um, Arizona is hot right now. And while I picked against Arizona, I am picking Arizona over Colorado. They're going to be playing in Arizona for the wild card. And um, I think um, Zach Granke is going to be Zach Granke and they're going to win that game. Now, the Dodgers are going to take on Arizona there. And Arizona just swept the Dodgers. Um, last weekend, I believe. But I think the Dodgers will beat Arizona in the NLDS there. Now, Washington and the Cubs is fascinating to me. I think Washington is a really good team this year and has the ability to score a ton of runs. The Cubs have some really good pitching that has not pitched really well this year, but they have really good quality pitching. The Cubs offense has not been that good. And the pitching from the Nats has also been incredible. So the combination of all that, I think Washington can beat the Cubs and the Cubs aren't going to be able to repeat despite probably having on paper one of the best teams in baseball. That's a bummer for them. You know what? It's it's whatever. Uh, I'm not a Cubs fan, so I'm a Reds fan. That's my NL Central team of choice. So Dodgers, Washington. This is a good question because I know the Dodgers have a tremendous amount of offensive power when things are all clicking for them and they have kershaw hill darvish they have a great bullpen they have one of the best closers in baseball but i'm kind of feeling washington this year and it's very strange but scherzer and um scherzer going up against dallas keichel and then 
um, Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Rourke. I mean, I, I think that the Washington is going to give Houston a run for their money. Um, I do think that Houston is actually going to win it all. Um, but it is kind of a safe bet to bet on the AL squad. But if Washington's going to win it, I think this may be their year. Although next year could be interesting when they have Adam Eaton back. But Michael Turner has been playing some very good center field. And I don't know if you saw this last night. He had a inside the park grand slam. What? Yeah, Michael Turner, Michael S. Turner had an inside the park grand slam last night because, uh, oh, is his name Adrubal Herrera, the center fielder for the Phillies? I mean, the Phillies are terrible, so it doesn't matter. But instead of going far enough back on a ball, he tried to jump catch it just where he was, just, you know, tried to go as high as he could, and the ball went over his head. And because of this, and because of the fact that Michael Turner is quite fast, he scored an inside the park grand slam. That's awesome. It is kind of wild, kind of kind of fun. That's got to be one of the most unlikely things. You know, there have been like a hundred of them in the history of baseball, but I was looking at some lists, and the most recent list I could find easily was only through 2002. That's fair. But I know that there have definitely been some since 2002. I could probably string together this list if I cared enough, but I don't. It was really cool. It's fun to see if you get a chance to watch it. Michael Turner on September 8th inside the park Grand Slam. So that's that's my playoff predictions. Is um, is Houston over Washington in six? Who are the uh, like uh, underdogs or somebody who could come up from from nothing? Like, <clears throat> can the Brewers even get there? Can Los Angeles Angels even get there? Texans? Excuse me, the Rangers, the Brewers. The Brewers, the Brewers could do it right now, but they're projected to win 80, 84 games, and the Cubs are projected to win eighty eight. So that's kind of kind of tough. Uh, the Brewers are three games out, so if they go on a tear and Colorado loses a bunch, they could possibly get in the wild card. I don't think that they're going to get the division. Um, let's see here. Milwaukee is boom, boom, boom four games out so if they go on a streak they could hypothetically do something but let's see here who is milwaukee playing for the rest of the year milwaukee is playing they're playing the uh they beat the cubbies last night they're playing the cubs and the cubs so that could help them actually if they win two more games there and they are playing the Cubs four more times um, in the regular season, and they have three more games against Cincinnati. They also have six games against Pittsburgh, though Pittsburgh's not been great this year. Um, they've done pretty well against Cincinnati, and they're playing at home for those. They also have three games against Miami and three games against St. Louis. So it's possible the Brewers could take some games directly from the Cubs and then uh, play well otherwise. Now, if we look at who the Cubs are playing the rest of the rest of the year, they are currently playing Milwaukee, then the Mets, St. Louis, Tampa Bay, Milwaukee, St. Louis for four, and then ending the season with three against the Reds. So uh, the Mets are terrible. St. Louis is mediocre. Tampa Bay is mediocre. Milwaukee is good-ish. St. Louis is mediocre. And the Reds are terrible. So I, I expect things to stay where they are. Milwaukee will 
um, will not make the playoffs if uh, if things stay about where they where they have been. But if we're talking about like wild card or underdogs, um, hypothetically, if I had to pick a, a wild card team, I would pick Arizona. Um, but Arizona to beat the Dodgers, it could happen. They just did it, and they um, I guess Arizona lost last night. But their last ten, they're nine and one, and they had. I think it was a 13-game winning streak. And they've got a good team. And they'll come back in the postseason. So it's it's possible, but I just think the Dodgers are that good that they're going to beat beat Arizona. Um, the Dodgers will pick it back up. I mean, they, they're, they're going to win more than 100 games. They're going to be the best team in baseball. Um, I mean, they've already won more than 100, right? No, they're at 92 right now. They're 92 and 49. But, you know, I was talking about the... Um, they're currently at a 652 winning percentage. And the thing is that they, um, they're not going to get 116 wins. They're not going to get the record, but they're 92 and 49. They've won a lot of games. Yeah. 652, just shy of two out of three, but they've also their last 10, they're one and nine. Damn it. Cleveland is just killing it too. Yep. Cleveland has been on tear. And the other thing about Cleveland um, is that Andrew Miller has been out. He hasn't pitched um, regularly since like August 10, which is kind of crazy. But if there's an underdog team that can, a lower-seeded team that can take it or can make the World Series, it's going to be Arizona. I don't think the Yankees can do it. And lower win team. I mean, the Cubs are the Cubs have ten less wins than Washington right now, and um, fifteen less wins than the Dodgers. It'd be sick to see Arizona in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've they've got some good pieces um, for sure. The so Goldschmidt is hurt or is on his way back. He got hit by a pitch the other day. Um, but looking at their Look at the active roster right now for the Diamondbacks. Um, Corbin, Granke, Robbie Ray. Um, is Taiwan Walker, is he pitching right now? Is he hurt? He appears to be pitching. Uh, 3.33 ERA. That's It's slightly better than his career average of 3.95. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got some good starting pitchers going. I mean, it's kind of, kind of just crazy how they've strung together this many wins with this team. Because the team doesn't look that good. AJ Pollock, a bunch of random people playing left field, including Gregor Blanco uh, and JD Martinez and right. But JD Martinez has been good since they got traded in. Jake Lamb playing a good third. Who else? They've had a couple different shortstops this year, haven't they? Catel Marte and Adam Rosales. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, Chris Owings is on the 60-day DL. Um, and Nick Ahmed is also on the 60-day DL. Regular guys um, playing shortstop. And Shelby Miller is also on the 60-day DL. So, I mean, there's some other players here who are struggling. And guys who have played recently in the majors for the Diamondbacks, but are not, are not currently the majors, um, Socrates Brito. B-R-I-T-O, not burrito. But um, I think that's another one where Jeff Miller gets it wrong on purpose. And then uh, Jeremy Hazelbaker, who um, came over from the 
Cardinals and is kind of fun as this utility guy. Um, not uh, not the best uh, best player really, but kind of kind of fun to watch him. He he was playing well at the beginning of the season, but a lot of people were playing well at the beginning of the season who are currently not in the majors. So kind of how it goes. How do you feel? I mean, do you, do you buy my playoff picks? Would you uh, would you put money on that, or would would you pick somebody else to win it all? No, I pretty much don't uh, cross your predictions. I will say that it would be cool to see Cleveland, and it will be cool to see Cleveland in there, and it would be cool to see Arizona in there. Cleveland, Arizona would be a, a fun, slightly smaller market, right? Set of clubs versus seeing like Houston and the Dodgers, which are bigger markets for sure. What the second largest city in the country and the fourth largest city in the country? Is Houston the fourth? Houston, well, it was before Harvey. I have no idea what that will do for them, but Houston's massive. Right. Which is one reason why Harvey was so bad. There's just so many people. Not that it wouldn't have been bad if it was less people. Just so many people were affected. I've got a, I've got a kick for Arizona now. I want to see that happen. And, you know, two, two teams, uh, two NL West teams in the playoffs, you know? It's fun. I mean, the West has been has been good. The fascinating thing is that in the years prior, the NL Central has been the division that sent two or sometimes three with the now with the double wild card to the playoffs. But this year, it's the NL West sending three teams. This has been a Kidlo Audio production. If you'd like to hear more of this or our other shows, go to audio.kidlo.com. That's K-Y-D-L-O. Thanks for listening. Be well.